Hi everyone, welcome to Metaspace. I'm your host, Rachel Holmes. Today's guest is Lance Stukala. He is a transformational activator, breathwork facilitator, and entrepreneur. Lance, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Excited. Yeah. Um, so I'm always curious whenever I find out that someone grew up in a spiritual community, because I didn't grow up in one, um, what that was like. Uh, what, because I can imagine that your day, day-to-day life is quite different and the rituals or practices that come to your life are different from someone who doesn't grow up in a, a consciously spiritual place. Can you speak on that a little bit? Absolutely. So I guess I'll start by painting the picture of where I grew up and what it, what it was like. And we can go from there. But I grew up in a spiritual community called Church Universal and Triumphant. And it was based when, at the time I was born in southern Montana, just outside of Yellowstone National Park. So beautiful river valley in Montana mountains, fields, forests, the whole thing, uh, really like a fairy tale setting. And the community owned thousands of acres. So there were, they had cropland and cattle and um, included forests and it was right along this beautiful river. And the community itself, around the, the time I was born, I think there were over a thousand people living there there in the community on the ranch or in uh, like neighboring areas within half an hour or so. And so I was, I was born into this community and my parents were a part of it. They lived there on the ranch. They'd met in this spiritual uh, group. It, it used to be in, before moving to Montana, it was in Malibu, California. Oh. Close to where you used to live in Topanga. And they moved it in the early 80s to Montana. The movement itself was founded by a husband and wife, uh, Mark and Elizabeth Claire Prophet. And it, it began on the East Coast in Virginia and moved out West to California. And then Mark passed away and Elizabeth was, the, was leading it herself. And a couple of years before, I guess it was the early 80s. I was born in 1991, but in the early 80s, it was moved to Montana. Uh, kind of the explanation I've been told is kind of to get away from the craziness of LA and there mm-hmm. being a spiritual community at a time when there were other spiritual communities out there, other cults out there that were getting a lot of media attention. They, part of it was to just get away from the public eye to move somewhere like Montana where it's more remote and you can uh, really create your own lifestyle and uh, way of living. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so beautiful setting in Montana, um, in this community, and it was pretty large, and it, it was booming, I would say. It was definitely a, a lot of activity going on. The, the community itself had a publishing division, so they're pumping out books and audios, uh, tapes at the time. I just remember having like hundreds of little cassette tapes with different um, church services and spiritual recordings, things like that. And then there was, everyone was living there and everyone um, 
ate there communally. So there were, it was a huge uh, food operation growing all of our own crops and um, not all of our own crops. I do remember like big semis coming in with the things we couldn't grow, but food for everyone, giant cafeteria. And it was, as a child, I just remember it being like very bustling. It was almost like its own little village that mm-hmm. I grew up in. And so as far as how that differed from how someone else would live, um, it was just very communally focused. There were, everything was done together. Everyone had their own homes we lived our own home. Uh, so that was separate, but everyone for the most part ate together and we would have church services together pretty much daily from what I can remember. I went to school, I went to a Montessori school. So they were very, the whole community was very focused on health in all of its aspects, whether that's eating healthy or uh, healthy education. So it was very forward thinking in that way. And I went to Montessori school from a young age. My mother is a Montessori teacher or was at the time. And so just from an early age, you're surrounded by other people who are focused on helping you be your best, helping you learn and grow and uh, develop in a healthy way. So it was really beautiful in that regard. Uh, Definitely looking back at it and something I'm so grateful for was their focus on the education and the healthy eating and being, being exposed to those things at an early age has had a huge impact on my life. Hmm. Yeah, we don't all get that, do we? <laughs> I definitely didn't have that. Um, so the, the church, what kind of church was it? Was it a Christian-based church? or? So it's, it kind of grew out of what's called theosophy. Uh, I don't know if you've looked into that. But theosophy, just to generalize it, is it's a very complex belief system, but I think the way that make, has made the most sense to me it, to understand it is it's looking at all of the world's religions and different philosophical systems and trying to find a core common truth in all of them. Mm-hmm. And so it can become what I experienced growing up in that is it was a lot. <laughs> it was sometimes overwhelming because you're learning about the Hindu gods and you're learning about Buddha and you're learning about Christianity and all the saints and the very heavy focus on Jesus. And at the same time, the leaders were channeling, they're channeling ascended masters. So higher dimensional beings were, um, they were bringing through messages from those beings. So it's all these different messages Mm -hmm. coming together. And now I see it as, okay, we were looking to find like the common core truth that exists in all things. These are all just different cultures explaining it in their own way. But as a, at the time, as a child, it was just a lot to wrap your head around. And so, yeah, that's, that's the belief system. And there's a lot of other aspects to it that they kind of brought in that weren't parts of theosophy and kind of built upon that, uh, including a heavy focus on karma, the idea mm-hmm. of needing to balance your karma or what you do, every action you take uh, is going to either generate good karma, so return to you in blessings or bad karma and return to you in something negative happening to you. That was a heavy focus 
of the community. And there, there's something called decrees, which I'll explain. Decrees are, it's basically mantras. You think of like Hindu mantras, like chanting certain prayers or mantras to a certain deity repetitively. And decrees were mantras, but in English. So they're really just like beautiful. A lot of them are amazingly beautiful poems, really. Poems uh, directed on at generating a specific energy, whether it's a healing poem or something for protection. And the decrees were a huge part of my childhood growing up because the community would spend hours decreeing. So it varied depending by day, they would have different services, but you would come and have a service for maybe two hours and decree the whole time. So you would just repeat chants together collectively and very much like a church service, except instead of praying or listening, and there would be um, like sermons or lectures from the minister, but the, the majority of it was focused on decreeing. So the entire chapel, hundreds of people repeating the same prayer over and over again, and really like focusing their energy in that way. Mm-hmm. So that, that's some of my earliest memories, really. Some of my earliest memories are being in our church with just hundreds of people repeating the same prayers. I can remember all of them because I just heard them so many times and repeated them so many times that it's just become like part of my operating system. Like I'll just be sitting around and some song or prayer will come into my head and I'll just start saying it because it's there. And it, it, it's, a, it's always associated with a good feeling. Like I have a, a good um, attitude towards it now. There, there are times in my life and we can get into that where I kind of rejected it or didn't appreciate it. But now whenever I remember it, it's, it's a, definitely a feeling of like feeling good and feeling safer at home. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, because it sounds like, you know, I love when everyone uh, comes together and they have one focus or one intention, and it makes it that much more powerful and palpable. And um, how was it for you um, growing up and being in these services where people were um, doing these decrees over and over again? Did you feel that as a kid? Did it feel like positive when you were doing it? Often it did, and it, I think a lot of times it was positively focused, and especially the ones that were more focused on healing or um, abundance or things like that. But a lot of it, and this kind of gets into the more shadowy aspects of the experience and the more like cult-like things that were experienced by a lot of people and like shaped their perception of it, are that... To me, looking back at it, there was a lot and still are to this day because the community is still around. There's a large aspect of it that is very uh, fear-based. Mm. And so a lot of these decrees or these sessions would be focused on um, what they would call like dark energies or fallen ones. So basically the evil of the world and like resisting that evil or judging that evil, basically like calling for its downfall. Which when I, when I think about it now is just, and even at the time seemed a little strange. It's like, we're, this, we see this thing as evil, whether, whatever it is, the, the Soviets or the liberals or the, whatever the chosen enemy of the day was. And it's like, we're going to send what I feel to be negative energy towards them so that they, they're destroyed essentially. And mm-hmm there was a lot of that. So a lot of like projecting energy outward in a negative way, in a fear-based way, in response to the fear that something might happen that 
I was definitely subjected to and was a big part of it. And I think a lot of people got caught up in that. And um, I don't think the, I also don't think the community was always that way, uh, especially when, like I've gone back and listened to a lot of their early works and recordings and things. And it definitely started off as more of like a universal brotherhood. Like let's learn about all these different cultures and their belief systems and kind of pick your own journey. What do you want to, what do you resonate with? Do you want to learn about Hinduism, go deep into that, deep into meditation or yoga, or do you want to learn about all the saints and their characteristics and really and try to embody your own sainthood? And it kind of veered away from that uh, once it moved to Montana and became more fear-based. And at the time, it was the end of the Cold War. So like the war with the impending nuclear uh, destruction from getting into a, an outright war with the Soviets was a big deal to the, to the point where the community itself actually built uh, nuclear fallout shelters, a massive like nuclear bunker in the mountain on the ranch, um, like millions and millions of dollars building this massive shelter. It's still there uh, to protect people in case there was a nuclear disaster. And the, there was actually like prophesizing of a new impending nuclear disaster and a lot of praying to advert it and all these things. So there, with all this, um, these things I was exposed to early on that were hugely beneficial, the, the focus on health, the focus on uh, love and light. And I'd say like the core thing that really carries true for me and that I've carried forward into my work with people today is the fact that we all we all are basically infinite beings and the way they would describe it is like, you are an aspect of God. Like we're all an infinite being, an aspect of God. And the, we're here to bring forth as much of that aspect of ourselves as possible to share that and to teach other people that, Hey, you can do this too. So that was a very strong message, but then it's also um, polarized by the, the fear and the negativity and the, the projector projection outwardly at, scary things and that had a huge impact on my life in in that i was basically afraid of anything that wasn't within our community i was afraid of the communities outside our our little utopia i was afraid of um being so isolated like growing up we didn't i didn't watch tv really we didn't we weren't aware of pop culture we didn't listen to music all these these sorts of things and i grew up being very afraid of those things like that is that is bad and wrong and i need to um, not go near that. Yeah. I, I was just thinking that, I mean, you often find that with cults, there's a beautiful message or a beautiful intention that it starts off with. And then that's as if it's like the community gets tested. <laughs> like some, something comes up to like almost like push the buttons or challenge the depth of the belief system or the depth in which they can hold on to their values. Um, and when it, that's not done or, and you can think of it collectively or individually, that shadow aspect arises. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I guess in, with you and the community uh, you found yourself a part of uh, is that fear based um, and being afraid that something bad is going to happen or protecting yourselves from outsiders. Um, I think about uh, the Osho community that uh, 
was formed in Oregon and the tests that that community <laughs> kind of went through and how they responded, you know, and um, again, so many people being drawn to that place and to him for something completely different from what, where the energy got redirected to focus on. Right. Um, so it's interesting. So tell me, how did you find yourself out of there? And because you said that at some point you started to, um, I guess, maybe not enjoy or connect with this environment you grew up in. What, what was that like? Yeah, sure. So I think there was a sense kind of all along the way that like the more fear-based things and certain things we would do, whenever that happened, it was very clear to me, like, this doesn't feel right. Like there's, there's just something strange about this. And to me, the main thing was, I felt like as a child and still now, and this plays deeply into the work that I do, I felt like I was very present. It was almost like I was locked in the present moment where anything that anyone was doing that felt like it was being done or a result of someone being afraid of the past or like worrying about the future, I was very like acutely aware of it. And so to me, it was almost amusing. Like I would see people worrying about something that could happen in the future. And it, and we lived in this beautiful place in Montana, nature all around. And even as a child, I remember like looking around and being like, what are they, why are we so concerned about this? Like, life is amazing. Like, did you guys see this apple orchard we have over here? And remember last week when we were all playing on the lawn and we had all those games and stuff? Like, that was incredible. Like, let's do more of that versus why are we decreeing for two hours against some people, some evil people who are doing something that we're, we don't, I don't even know what they're doing, but it just didn't make any sense to me at the time. And so that, that sense of like being very present to what are we, what energy are we bringing into the now? Like, okay, those, all those things may be happening, but like, how are we responding to it? I was always pretty aware of. And so that feeling kind of just expanded as I got older and I began to understand more, okay, now I understand these concepts and the things you're talking about somewhat. It still doesn't make sense why we're not, why we're not enjoying life or we're helping other people enjoy our lives instead of being afraid or worrying about what's happening. And so the big shift came when I was 12. We, I think a few years prior, the leader, the main leader, Elizabeth, Claire Prophet, she passed away and she'd been the spiritual head of the community and she was channeling ascended masters and delivering messages regularly, all these things. And her health started declining and I guess new leadership came in and eventually she passed away. And at that point, the community, from my perspective, just kind of started falling apart. There was a couple splinter groups that broke off. A couple people raised their hand and said, oh, I'm the new I'm channeling, I'm the new leader. And people just started to move away. And it was clear that the community at that size that it had been at, it just wasn't gonna continue to function to enough to support everyone. And so they started laying off people, people started moving. And by this time, everyone had kids. A lot of people had children. And so I was like, okay, we need to move and 
take care of our family, make money, all these sorts of things. So my family chose to, my dad chose to move us to Helena, which is the capital of Montana. And we left when I was around 12, it was sixth grade. And so that was really a rude awakening. It was like, we were in our spiritual community. I had a certain understanding of how the world worked. I was a, a child of the light, a, a unique aspect of God. And now I'm dropped into a public middle school. And it, <laughs> oh, okay. This is, this is a lot. And it, I'd actually started going to public school in a small town near our community, but there, a bunch of my classmates were from my community and it was, they all knew what it was and it was more of like a sheltered place still. It was just a tiny town, Montana, but this was like the, the capital of Montana, lots of people. And I was, it was just like, it was like waking up in an alien world. It was mm -hmm. like, I don't understand how to interact with kids. I, they're talking about the latest movies or whatever it may be. And I'm just like, did you guys meditate this morning? <laughs> yeah. decrees, like what's going on? Did so, you feel like you needed to fit in with that? Or did you feel really like secure with yourself and the practices you had? I, so yeah, I definitely um, became less secure as I went. I think I remember for like the first year, because I was very outgoing, very talkative, like it just very, very bright. Like it, I had a lot of energy and it was, I remember going to this middle school and I would get in trouble a lot for speaking out of turn or just like, mm. just, uh, I just wanted, to, there was a lot to share. Like there was so much to share and I was like very inquisitive and curious. And so gradually that started like fading as, as it became hard to connect with other kids. I, I didn't really make a lot of strong friendships early on. And that started to, to overwhelm me and then I think just gradually as school went and as I got older like into my teenage years I just started feeling really alone and basically came to, became depressed just like went in went into myself with the feeling of like no one understands me and I was really angry I was, I was angry at my parents for having first having removed us from our beautiful utopia uh, I was mad that we'd moved I didn't want to be there and that's something I look back on it was like a it was a very uh, strong decision I made when we moved it was like I'm not I don't like this like I I'm not even going to give this a chance like I don't want to be here which didn't serve me at all because I, I I never even gave it a chance I was basically upset to have left and it kind of spiraled down from there throughout my teenage years had a very hard time connecting with people, opening up, like expressing my emotions. Uh, it, it got pretty deep to the point where like there were days I just wouldn't talk to people. I'd go an entire day without saying anything to anyone, uh, like in high school. And that was challenging. That was, it was definitely mm -hmm. a very confusing time. Like being, it's confusing being a teenager already, but being a teenager who left this world where I'm surrounded by a lot of love and support, living outside in nature, all of a sudden, just being in this, this completely different place. Um, it was, it was for sure a challenging time. And that's, that's when that, but I still had that awareness. I still had all these things I learned that sense of like being present. And I think that's why I didn't really fit in, fit in there at all because I, I was very present and so I saw 
there was like this feeling of, yeah, I do want to fit in. I want to learn what all these other kids are talking about. I want to be cool. All these things. There was like a strong sense of that, which I tried to do, but there was also the part of me that's like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why, why are we, why is this cool? Why are we doing? And so it kind of kept me at a distance from that instead of just deciding to fit in and be, be normal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say I had a similar time in school too, where I didn't really understand why uh, like artificial things were so important. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I also didn't really talk that much. I mean, I don't, I don't think I ever went days without talking to anyone. Um, but it definitely was more of the observer watching other people interact and testing things. Um, and yeah, and just seeing how that went for them. So tell me, Lance, how did you find yourself again after kind of going through high school and not feeling comfortable, not feeling like you couldn't connect with people, not being able to express yourself. How did you find your expression again? How did you come back to yourself? Yeah, so, so yeah, I went through all, throughout high school and I'd say like by the end of high school I was in a deep hole, just not feeling great. It was very upset with uh, my parents and how they'd raised me like this whole belief system. I kind of re rejected all of it while, while still having that sense of like, there's something there. There's something that resonates as true. Like that individuality, like everyone, everyone having that spark inside of them, but was mostly just angry. And so I basically decided like, I got to get away from this. Like I just need to go far away and start over and just like figure out, who I am, be myself. And so I went to school in St. Louis, Missouri, applied to a bunch of colleges. Uh, went to, it's called Washington University. It's like a small private school. And there started gradually becoming more social. I uh, joined a fraternity. So with the help of being in a fraternity and partying, those sorts of things was able to like come out of my shell in a way. And start feeling like more of myself like okay now I'm confident interacting with people I feel like I can kind of explain myself but the one thing I never did is I would never share like how I'd grown up there's something I didn't talk to anyone about and that was true in high school in middle school like ever since we moved I just decided no one can know like I was afraid people would know where I'd grown up how I'd grown up all these sorts of things and that to me was just a continuation of that same energy that existed in the community of uh, the outside world is wrong or bad and we need to be afraid of it. That, I was just feeling that very strongly. So I was like, I don't want anyone to know that I'm a part of this in case they judge me. And so even throughout college, even as I became more social, had relationships, interacted, made friends, all these sorts of things, I still was never being myself. Like I never, I would never tell anyone how I'd grown up. I'd just say, oh, I'm from Montana. Yeah, I grew up, grew up on a ranch. And that, I would leave it at that. And of course, like that in itself is cool. And people wanted to know more, but I would never share about it. Um, and so still had this fear of expressing, fear of just really being myself, like relaxing into that and sharing. And so struggled with that uh, throughout college. And it was really after college 
a few years after college, I started working. I was living in San Francisco and just, just working, just chasing success, chasing money. Um, and really was doing that to the point where I made myself sick. I was just so hyper-focused on succeeding and networking and all these things like climbing the ladder that I, I got physically ill. I wasn't sleeping a lot. I wasn't eating enough. And one night I actually, I had a fever and I actually left my body. I had an out of body experience. And I just remember like being in bed, just completely sweaty, soaking wet and floating out of my body. And it wasn't, it was very different than a dream. And that that's why I described it as an out of body experience. Cause it was just completely different. It was like, I was, I felt myself, my spirit, like leave my body and raise up towards the ceiling. And I noticed that I was connected. There was like a silver cord connecting me to my body. And as I approached the ceiling, all of a sudden I got shot back into my body. There was like a big electric jolt and I got shot back into my body and I sat upright, just like sweating and panting. And that was a huge moment for me because I'd never felt anything like that. It was, it was like the most intense real experience I'd ever experienced. And that was like, like looking back, that was a huge turning point for me because one, what was that? Like, how did this happen? This was, these were the sort of things that I heard about growing up spirits and um, elementals and all these sorts of things, but I'd, I'd felt it. And two, this is happening because I'm not treating myself well. I'm not respecting myself and I need to do something about it. So like kind a wake of, up call. Exactly. Yeah. Why do you think you got shot back down? I don't know. I mean, I can <laughs> make up a lot of stories. Like I, I was supposed to stay and I had something important to do here, like all these sorts of things, but that that's what happened. And so like moving forward from that, it's like, okay, I'm going to do the best to create the life I want to live and help others create the life they want to live. So they don't end up in a place like that where they're really sick because they're believing they need something outside of themselves. They're chasing something. They're not treating themselves well, their body or their mind. And I, I don't want people to go through that or be in a place like that. So that seems like a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it is interesting. Like, um, healers and teachers or anyone who's um, in service to other people, helping other people evolve and coming into who they are more deeply. I feel like everyone who does that um, has gone through their own process for doing that for themselves first mm -hmm. so that they can help other people navigate that as well. Um, and so I, I feel like it's a really important thing each soul has to go through to kind of prepare them to help other people with the same thing. Definitely. Um, yeah. Cause it, I mean, like I said, I, I didn't grow up, I didn't have the same experiences you had, but I truly believe that we have all those experiences to prepare us to do what we're going to do. Um, so it'll be interesting, you know, as you go through life to see how it comes back up, you know, because it's like an always an, an unfolding, but um, 
I'm like curious for you about that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I feel that, like I feel that sense of, and that's how I look at all, everything I've been talking about, the entire childhood, every, all the struggling, like the deep dark hole I found myself in. It's so that I can relate to people who find themselves there and I can show them like, hey, you, you're not gonna be there forever. There are ways out. Like I, and that's, you introduced me as an activator. Like that's the activation I feel I can bring with two people is no matter where you are, even if you're at the bottom of that pit, you can, there are infinite possibilities. And one of those infinite possibilities is that you're gonna start feeling really good and you're gonna transform and change the story that you're telling yourself about where you are and what's happened to you. And this whole victim story that's led to you feeling this way and be able to flip that around and use that story to help other people and share with them and pull them out of their deep, dark holes. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the work you do now. So um, you offer um, many different like programs, if you will. Um, and I guess let's start with Guru You. Can yeah. you tell me about that and the intention behind it and what people are, um, will be able to get from it? Yeah, absolutely. So Guru Yu is um, a breathwork and meditation course, and it's actually expanding now. I, I ran it at the beginning of the summer, and it was three months, and it was mostly focused on breathwork and meditation. And breathwork to me, breathwork has been the most impactful tool that I've learned in order to connect me with myself, connect me with that place of stillness within where it's like, this is me, this is who I am. And that's where all the creativity and all the self-expression and all of the ideas and all the feelings of love and connectedness with the world that feeling that I described like feeling as a kid when I'm super present and I'm loving nature and I'm loving everyone. Why are we, why are we worrying about what's happening in Russia right now? Um, that place within where, where you're just super connected, that place is I get there with breathwork. And so I, about a year and a half ago, I started doing breathwork with a friend and he, he's a breathwork instructor as well. And he started teaching me and really loved it. And I loved the way that it made me feel. I loved the way that it was a reliable way for me to reach that place of presence and to stay there and to um, keep that awareness with me throughout the rest of the day. And so I really dove in and I started taking breathwork certifications, I took two or three, uh, started going to breathwork events, started watching all the breathwork videos I could online and just really wanted to learn everything I could about breathwork as a tool for this reason. And that led me deeper into um, more of like the physiology about breathwork and the body and the nervous system and how the breathwork can help with traumas and all sorts of things. I mean, breath, I can confidently say, and you don't have to believe me, but breathwork will help you with anything. And the way that I see that being is that the breath is always present. When you're breathing and your awareness is concentrated on, is focused on your breath, your awareness is present because the breath can't happen anywhere but the present moment. And so <clears throat> when you bring that awareness and that presence to something as simple as breathing, something that you're doing all the time, that awareness and that conscious intention 
expands to everything that you're doing in your life. And pretty soon you're no longer brushing your teeth unconsciously. You're no longer cooking unconsciously. You're no longer having conversations with people unconsciously because your breath is anchoring you into being presently aware of what's happening. So yeah, I love, sorry. Uh, I love that. It just, it, sometimes the answers are so simple, <laughs> you know, like, um, being conscious of your breath, connecting with your breath can therefore lead you to be living a more conscious life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's like, what could be more simple? like okay you want to be more aware in your life what could be an easier way to become more aware than breathing something you're going to do anyway you're always doing anyway like let's just bring a little more awareness to it and that can literally mean like i've worked with people and they're just like it's so hard to do breath work and they think of like i'll lead like an hour-long breath journey and they're like oh it's so hard to breathe deeply for an hour i'm like okay it doesn't need to start that way let's let's take five breaths in a row where all you're focused on is breathing and tomorrow do six and the next day do seven. And that's how it builds. And like the effects of breath work really build and they compound and you start to bring, bring that awareness to it. All of a sudden you're like, all right, let's do an hour long breath journey. And there's people and they're like, let's do one every day. And I'm like, let's <laughs> and do one every few days or once a week. Yeah. So tell me, um, what's the kind of feedback you get from this, this program? Yeah. So, uh, Guru Yu, um, people had great results. It's, it was in the middle of quarantine and some people are traveling. So the thing with breath is, or the thing I tell people is I'm going to, I can tell you how to breathe. I can teach you all the ways to breathe and I can tell you how, why breathing is good for you, but I can't breathe for you. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it really takes a lot of discipline and dedication to setting aside the time to actually breathe and then recognizing, and it doesn't, take long it doesn't take many days in a row to recognize okay this is something i i want to do and start building like that internal drive to to make it a consistent habit once you start realizing the effects but um yeah i mean i'd say the most common thing is people would would just give the feedback that i feel way more connected with myself i feel way more in control of my ability to stabilize is probably a good word stabilize mm -hmm. and center myself regardless of what's going on. And that, that's why I loved teaching breath work during this whole quarantine crisis and everything that's happened this year is there's so much going on out there that it starts, it affects you. It affects your nervous system. Your mind is racing. You're, you're constantly like in fight or flight, like afraid of what could be happening. And there's so much unknown out there and the breath is the best tool to slow everything down and bring you back to yourself, bring you back to the present moment where everything's always perfect. Mm. And so that, that's probably the, the most common feedback I get is like, I feel like I, I've gained a skill and a tool that gives me confidence because I know that I can get to that place. I can get to that state of being anytime that I want. And it's powerful. Yeah, very powerful. And that's, that's what it's done for me. And that's why I believe it's so valuable for everyone to learn. And so Guru Yu was a combination of that, but also meditation and really connecting with your intuition. So connecting with the voice within or the sense within that is you, that is like the most core essential you and is constantly trying to communicate with you. But a lot of people and I've 
for most of my life had a hard time listening to or even recognizing that it's trying to do that. So it's really focused on that. And that's the guru you aspect. It's like, who knows better? Who knows what's best for you other than you? And that's, that's kind of my philosophy. And it's, it's kind of a juxtaposition to growing up in the community that I did where a lot of the, the wisdom and information was coming from the top down where there's someone channeling, bringing through higher messages, telling you things kind of in a dogmatic way. And it's like, I developed a sense of, okay, they know better than me and I don't, I don't know what's best for me. So just like, tell me what to do. And I feel like that played out in a lot of people's lives in the community and it's still playing out in people who are following along with it. And that never quite felt right. And it was, at the same time as that was happening, we're learning about our intuition and our higher self and all of these, this guidance that we constantly have. So I was like, I'm going to cultivate that. I want to connect with that and make that, that voice of my intuition, the strongest voice so that I, and I've met people like this. I got really inspired by some people I've met where it's like, yeah, I always know what my intuition's telling me. I don't always listen to it, but I for sure know it. And so I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want to, cultivate that connection where that's the loudest voice for me and I always know what it wants doesn't mean I have to follow it but I always know and I will eventually learn that like life works out better when I listen to it oh yeah I've learned that the hard way (laughs) (laughs) I was definitely one of those people that I I remember like the process I, I came into um developing my intuition more and recognizing that when when I was like being given information and like oh no I'm not gonna listen and then you know something that I didn't like would happen or you know yeah it would always result in something I didn't like and every time I did listen like okay I'll do it (laughs) It, everything was better and things flowed and because I was very aware of when I would say yes to what information I was getting when I would say no it caused me to say yes more often to listening and and doing what I was um, at that time hearing more than anything Um, but it's like I like to think of it like flexing a muscle the more you receive that information and the more you respond to it positively the stronger that it gets Um, yeah yeah. Um, so it seems like you used breath work as a tool for centering and clearing so the person can be receptive to their intuitive wisdom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk more a little bit about some other things you do. Um, can you talk a little bit about this, um, the 13th tier? what that is and yeah um yeah it'd be great yeah so it's called the 13 there's different tiers of of participation like tier one tier two tier three but the 13 was started by my good friend brandon bozar lives in sedona who i'll connect you with Mm. and he basically it's a, a program for exploring your relationship with everything And so the way that we look at, we approach things within that program are from the standpoint that everything that you're experiencing is a relationship. There's a relationship with yourself, 
There's a relationship with all that is. There's a relationship with other people, a relationship with nature. And so there's 13, we broke it out into 13 different relationships that pretty much encompass anything. Um, we always ask people like, if you can think of something that's not encompassed by these relationships, let us know, because we might have to call it the 14, but we're pretty sure there's 13. And so the, the whole program is about uh, like taking a look at these relationships with all of these things and recognizing that your power in that relationship is how you're showing up in that relationship. So showing up as someone who's empowered to change their perspective or change how they're thinking about it or change how they, the energy that they bring to it. And then that relationship will transform because of you and you always have that power regardless of what it is. So a lot of it ends up focusing on relationships with other people as that is like the most common relationship we're experiencing, but also really I'll take that back. Cause it's really the, the most, the main one is your relationship with yourself. Cause we talk about everyone else just being an aspect of yourself. If they look at some, look at it from like a wider perspective, it's just like, we're all the finger puppets on the hand of God just interacting with each other and helping reflecting to each other who we're being so that we can learn from each other and transform and continue to evolve. So it was a 13, 13 week program and it was beautiful. We, it's a larger group. We take 50 people and at the end we had a retreat in Sedona um, that was supposed to be in Costa Rica, but then we couldn't travel to Costa Rica. So ended up in Sedona and it was, it was amazing. So that's, uh, that's taught by myself, Brandon, who uh, started it. This, this last round was the second round. He, he had a first round around this time last year. And then two other, my good friends, Zachary and Jaden. And so we kind of, we all four are the facilitators and we show up with our different gifts and different energy and help guide people through understanding that when you change your end of the relationship, the, the relationship is going to transform and you can really quickly improve your life and improve your, the, the joy and uh, synchronicity and love that you experience by reviewing all of these different areas. So what is the, what would a day look like doing this? Like what's an example of some of the things you, you guys do with, with the group? Yeah, for sure. So one thing, I guess the concept that would be good to understand is what we call the game of the game. And so the game is life. The game is like what you're physically doing in life. It's like, I'm, I'm on a computer speaking with you. I'm going to go to the store later. I'm going to pet my dog. I'm going to go walk down the street. Like that's what, that's the game. And those are all the actions that you're taking. The game of the game is your internal world. It's what am, who am I being in those, those moments? What's going on internally for me? And so we have a big emphasis on focusing on the game of the game. So regardless of what you're doing externally, regardless of what's happening, who am I being in the present moment with what's happening? So am I, am I, am I afraid because of what's happening, because of something I saw online? Am I judging someone else am i um yeah usually it's fear it's fear is the one that comes up a lot it's like am i afraid that this person believes this about me 
am I afraid to show up as I truly am? So we encourage people to gradually like open up that experience within their life and really sit in that place of like the internal driver's seat, like being in touch with your inner self and regardless of what's happening, okay, how am I responding to this? How am I responding? And if it is fear that comes up, rather than being afraid and resisting it, which is what most people do, what we've all been taught to do, conditioned to do, it's like, ah, I'm, I'm scared of this. I don't want to have that conversation. I'm going to avoid it. We, we really put an emphasis on celebrating it and we call it finding an Easter egg. It's almost like a treasure hunt. It's like, oh, great. I got triggered. Awesome. <laughs> wow. This thing really triggered me. So welcoming it in, celebrating it, got triggered today. We have me and the other facilitators, we have a voice group, a voice message group. And we'll, we'll literally do that. They'll be like, hey guys, guess what? I got triggered. This is what happened. And we'll like share it and celebrate it with each other. And I'll we'll be like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's, that's really something we'll invite people into the part the people who are in your program into is like this understanding that it's to be celebrated it's to be welcomed in and integrated rather than um, creating separation and not feeling it so we welcome in the fear and then we can receive the message that the fear is trying to tell us okay i'm afraid I'm about to, I was going to share something on social media, but I felt fear around it. And so I didn't do it. That's, not, that's fine. Totally fine. Great. I'm glad that I'm feeling this fear because now I can integrate it. I can learn from it and I can move past it by welcoming it in. And so then we'll teach them processes for going through that and getting the lesson from the fear, extracting, like going deep into the beliefs around like, why specifically are you afraid of this thing and uh, transforming that. The phrase that just popped in my head as you're describing this is like helping to create limitless relationships. Mm -hmm. So like clearing up all those blocks that keep us from being able to fully connect or being fully present with someone else um, and relating to them. Um, yeah, just limitless relationships is what it, what it popped up in my brain. I love that. And yeah, that's, that's what I feel. And it's like all these words, like I talk about presence a lot and being in the present moment. That's the same thing as being in a limitless space. It's like, these are just words for that sense of anything's possible and I'm totally present and I'm not resisting what is. And we talk about this a lot too, is not resisting what is, what is, is what is like that is, it is. And so if you're, if you're, if you think, that should not exist or that shouldn't be that way. You're just arguing with what is, and that's how people get in into their head and they get fearful and they overthink all these things and you can get stuck because you're just thinking in loops in your head that something shouldn't be the way it is when it in fact is. <laughs> and it, 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 There's nothing you can do about it. So it's like the way to create change is to accept it. Okay. It doesn't mean that you condone it. It doesn't mean that you would prefer whatever this is. There's a ton of things in the world going on right now that a lot of people don't prefer, but those things are, we're becoming aware of them. More and more people are becoming aware of them and we can say, okay, that's what is. I don't prefer that, but I'm not going to resist that. I'm not going to be like, that shouldn't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. Cause then you're in that energy of resistance, which is just you using your energy mostly to bolster whatever that thing is. Like whenever we fight against something, it just, 
it responds by fighting back. It reflects that directly back to us. It's like all the political stuff. It's like, if you feel a certain way politically and you start yelling at someone who feels a different way politically, they're just going to yell back at you rather than, okay, you believe something different than me. This reality is reflecting something that I don't prefer, but it's okay. It's there. It exists. And I'd like to integrate it. I'd like to understand. And that the word understanding to me is similar to love. It's like, I want to understand you. I want to see you fully for who you are and understand where you're coming from. So allow it to be. And then from there, we can create, we can put all of our energy towards what we prefer. Okay. I, I see this is, this is here. I accept it that it is. I don't prefer it. What I do prefer is this. I'm going to put all my energy into creating that. I'm going to put all my energy into helping people, put my energy into um, planting trees, like whatever it is for you. That's, that's how we become empowered rather than resistant to what it is. Mm. Yeah. Well said. Um, Lance, can you tell everyone, because there's, there's still more to talk about um, with what you do. And um, so can you tell people where they can find out more, how they can connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Um, social media is the best place. Uh, I am Lancelot on Instagram. It's probably the best place to message me. I'll check that the most. Uh, I have a website, I am Lancelot. And yeah, we didn't even get into some of the other things, but we have an ongoing group that's similar to the 13, but it's more ongoing. We have weekly calls uh, where we do a lot of the same thing. And that's more of a space for being with what is. We invite people in and regardless of what's going on in your life, regardless of what's coming up for you, whether you're in fear or you're trying to go and create that thing, you want to put your energy towards that thing or you're lost, whatever it is, we just open up a space to, for that to be okay. Whatever you got going on, come here, be allow it to be okay and we can help you transform those beliefs is so that we, the presence project that's called foundations foundations it, yeah it used to be called the presence project i know that's still on my website but yeah it's called foundations um and yeah we got a lot of stuff going on but these are like sometimes i feel like we we want to help people me and these three guys in particular it's like every other day we're coming up with some new exciting way where it's like let's help them in this way let's help them in that way but we've really um honed it in and we're focusing our energy on foundations and there will be another round of the 13 at the beginning of next year and then guru you i'm actually making it into it will still be a, a group program but i'm recording all the videos so that it's something people can watch and learn the breathwork techniques and the meditation anytime and then check in weekly for a, like a, a group uh, breathwork session. That's awesome. That's Thank great. You. Yeah. It's so lovely to talk to you, Lance. Um, and Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed speaking with you too. Yeah. Thanks for sharing so much of your experience um, and what you do. And um, yeah. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's a very complex belief system, but... I think the way that make, has made the most sense to me it, to understand it is it's looking at all of the world's religions and different philosophical systems and trying to find a core common truth in all of them. And so it can become what I experienced growing up in that is it was a lot. <laughs> it was sometimes overwhelming because you're learning about the Hindu gods and you're learning about Buddha and you're learning about 
Christianity and all the saints and very heavy focus on Jesus. And at the same time, the leaders were channeling, they're channeling ascended masters. So higher dimensional beings were, um, they were bringing through messages from those beings. So it's all these different messages mm -hmm. coming together. And now I see it as, okay, we were looking to find like the common core truth 